Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man, Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone's doing well right now. Hi everybody, Matt Guy here. Hope your year is going well thus far. After a flying start with his... Uh... Well, will they even be... Con- I don't even think that there's nothing going to be controversial in this episode whatsoever. Um, <laughs> look, well, we already mentioned uh, Banshee's been issuing last week and uh, already there has been response. Um, but as I caveated at the end of last week's episode, I accept that it's a good film, just not for me, and it bored me to tears. And it, it missed out because there's five worse films. <laughs> Very much <laughs> worse films on here. Uh, so, yeah, hello, everyone. See, I think that's fair, because, like, uh, Donnie Darko, I nearly called it Danny Darko then, that's a film that's, like, really held to quite high esteem by people. But I think it's an absolute stinking turd of a movie. It just does not work for me on any level. So I, I, I completely get you, Stu, that a film can be great and you can still think it's shit because it doesn't check any of your boxes. And weirdly, I really like Donnie Darko. <laughs> um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> considering it's, it's usually not my kind. It's it's the kind of thing I, I'd kind of poo-poo as nonsense, but for some for some mad reason, I did like it. I ain't seen it for years, though. I mean, it might not stand up at all, but going going from the last time, I've, I've probably seen it about twice, two or three times, max, um, and it never got any worse. So I'm taking that in the wing column. Mm, that's all you can do. I reckon you're probably on my team with that one, Matt, I think. Uh... Yeah, I am. Um, I remember like watching it again, taking... You know, age and maturity and wisdom. Thinking, you know what? I'll get it now. Ten years on, mm. and I still don't. So maybe I'll try it in my forties, <laughs> like, and give it another go because um, I, I just don't. It's, it was just you'd think as well with it being kind of dark and uh, very alternative, I suppose, that it'd be right up my alley. But it's just, it's just pants. Like I, just, mm. I don't, I don't see the appeal to it, and. You know, it's it's one of those, but you can't please all the people all the time, can you? No, absolutely not. Oddly enough, I said exactly the same thing about a film earlier today. I was talking with Katie about Titanic, because mm. that's getting a re-release, isn't it, for uh, Valentine's Day? And that's another film that I feel like maybe I was too young when I watched it, so didn't appreciate it, because all of the critics I like say how good a film it is, but... Mm. To me, it was just unwatchable pap. So I I wonder if it's just a case of I was too young and maybe now I'll appreciate it. But I don't fancy a three-hour at the cinema watching Titanic in case it sucks again. So I don't know. We'll just wait till your 40s to watch it in a few months. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> what says romance on Valentine's Day like the story of infidelity and millions of pounds and literal kilograms of metal being strewn at the bottom of the ocean <laughs> i i don't really see it as that romantic a story either to be honest it's i don't know maybe i'm just cynical on these things but it just didn't work on any level and i really like pretty much everyone involved in it but no nah, not for me uh, anyway like we were going to do our top five, bottom five, however you want to call it, the films that let us down this year. But there was a bit of a running theme on a couple of our, our picks. So 
what we've done is we've slightly changed it. We're going to do the three films that either let us stay in the most or we thought were the worst films of the year. Uh, we're going to do a couple of the listener suggestions on films that they didn't enjoy. And then we've got a couple of studios to discuss, which we think probably didn't have the best 2022. Um, so we'll do our bottom threes, however you want to call it. So my first one on my list is quite low down. It was Uncharted. I think I went in really... <laughs> I really wanted it to be something. Um, I thought it was going to be really fun. And like I didn't... I was expecting it to be Tomb Raider. And I quite enjoyed the Tomb Raider film, the most recent one um, with Alicia Vikander. So I kind of hoped that that's what we were going to get. And what's his face? Tom Holland was in it. And at the time, I didn't hate Tom Holland... But I think that was the film that sort of tipped it over to, yeah, we've got too much Tom Holland going on right now. We need a little bit less of it. And plus, Marky Mark's in it, who he's pretty much dog shit in everything he does. Um, so I don't know why I had high hopes for it in retrospect, but it didn't work for me on any level. The film which came out a few months later, which was The Lost City, ended up being exactly what I wanted Uncharted to be. Silly, fun, nonsense. And that's precisely what I got in a Sandra Bullock and Harry Potter film. Not at all what I expected, and it ended up being a much better movie. So, yeah, Uncharted was the one that was a bit of a misery to start the year, I thought. I really did enjoy The, um, the Lost City. It was it was even more stupid than the trailer suggested. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it, it, it kind of worked. I, I don't know why it's... It's almost lost in a way that no one's talked about it since the week it came mm-hmm. out, um, which is quite sad, really, because it was a fun little film. Uncharted. What did I say? As soon as I came out, I thought, "Andy's going to hate this. He's going to hate this with every <laughs> every fibre of his being because it is. It's exactly what it's. It's nonsense, and it's quite faithful to the games in a way. Um, in other ways, it's not at all, but. Well, so that I compared it to Sakaji's National Treasure films in the similar kind of vibes, not necessarily quality-wise, obviously. But if mm. you like, that's how I sold it to my mom. I said, if you like National Treasure, which I know you do, go and watch this, and I doubt you'll be disappointed. And she enjoyed it as well. So I think it was what it it was what it was, and I, I did watch it four times in the end last year. <laughs> um, it's just instantly rewatchable. It doesn't mean it's great, and I, I completely understand why it's in here. Um, I expected it to be lower than this, really. <laughs> um, but yeah, you either—it was one of them where you either you either liked it or you didn't like it. I don't think there was many kind of oh, okay. There was a lot of you like it, and it's six six and a half, seven out of ten. It's fine, or they just despised it. There was no best film of the year. Now, worst thing in the world. It was just very kind of either side of middle. Did you give it a, a try at all, Matt? Or were you just no? I, I didn't because I didn't have any vested interest in the games or anything like that. It, I've you know, I there's not many fantastic game adaptions out there. He says as one of the best apparently in the world has come out this way. <laughs> um, but um, you know, not Tom Holland. He's uh, you exactly right, Andy, in that he's got the um, 
I was about to say uh, Ryan Gosling. Uh, it's not him, obviously. Um, fuck's his name? One at Wrexham. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds, of course. He's got, you know, he's slightly having that effect on me at the moment where I just see him in everything. And I was, mm. at that time when Uncharted was coming out, I was just like, mm, it's, it's not really for me. Um, and I'm glad I kind of missed out on it because the, the reviews I did read kind of gave me um, flashbacks and PTSD of the Prince of Persia. <laughs> so yes, that's very accurate, I think. Yeah, it's, I was... Yeah. That's yeah, that's remarkable. In terms of how it how it translates to the game, I think you're pretty spot on with that. Mm. <laughs> uh, Matt, what's your uh, next film for the your letdown? And the letdown it is because it's not that it's awful as a film, but that my expectation levels were so high, and the end delivery was was quite a bit under that bar, and that was uh, Jurassic World Dominion. Um, it was just not very good <laughs> uh, in that, you know, with the trailer, it gave the impression that this was going to be like a raucous round the world trip of the age of the dinosaur in the same way that we got, um, the, like the war of the planet of the apes or whichever the last one of that one was. Um, and it really wasn't, it was like, a. It almost had like Jurassic Park three vibes in that we've we've just got this formula. We're just going to go back to the island. We're not going to explore how these dinosaurs have ruined the world. And it ended up being a film about moths or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> like not moths. It was locusts, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And who wants to see that? Like it just felt like a massively missed opportunity to have like some really cool location shots superimposed obviously with um and really turn that story into like how the human race is struggling to survive with the onslaught of dinosaurs not actually we just do this at a park do you know what i mean if that's how the trailer made it out like it was going to be a cataclysmic event of of, of humanity and it just wasn't that at all Mm-hmm. I, I didn't bother watching the third i didn't really love the second the first one was fine but the second just felt a bit vacuous. Like it, it was all surface level. There was nothing really beyond it. And then like people who'd seen it yourself and our friend Ash Dolan had seen it and both of you just sort of slaughtered it. And I thought, I'm, I'm not going to give this any of my time. Oh, uh, oh second is in Jurassic World. Yes, yeah, sorry, yeah, of the, the yeah. new trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I benefited for obviously not watching the trailer and ruining, th- ruining things for myself, um, going in completely blind. And I remember at, at the time coming out thinking, okay, it, it, I'm kind of glad it's over now. That that's it, no more. Um, obviously, the over there, all of them, apart from that one yet, um, and. It's up there. It's obviously, it's been surpassed by Avatar now. Um, but as in a franchise that I kind of love, not as much as Dave Evans, obviously, but it, <laughs> Jurassic Park, Jurassic World. Again, like you, Andy, I didn't like Fallen Kingdom. I thought it was nonsense. It was shit. Um, but I thought this had a bit of redemption in it compared to what that was. Um, 
but looking back on it with time, it wasn't very good. <laughs> um, there's a few good set pieces as you'd expect, but it was. It seemed like um, it's some like a kind of get the band back together because we've got to pay for the divorce kind of <laughs> situation. Um, one last one last time on the for the road and just a missed opportunity, I think, really more than anything else. And uh, there was the redemption of actually having a proper raptor in there was nice. I'll say that much. Um, obviously what we know Raptors to look like now rather than what they did in 93. Um, but you're kind of crutching at prehistoric straws there. It yeah, was that, right. that's a low bar, isn't it? Yeah, if that's it, the best thing about it. It was all right. It was fine. But even as someone who loves Jurassic Park, Jurassic World films, it wasn't. It, I think Jurassic Park 3 is probably very well summed up. <laughs> well, interestingly, I've just looked on the Google machine. According to giantfreakingrobot.com, Jurassic World 4 and 5 are in development. Hmm. So whether or not it made money and they're going back to the well or quite what, I don't know. But It doesn't yeah, make apparently. any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, does any of it make any sense, though? So, <laughs> But yeah, so we're getting more of it whether you want it or not by the sounds of it. <laughs> uh, Stu, tell us a film that uh, you didn't enjoy. Um, well, there's a couple that have been sliced off this list now with this this call. Um, so yeah, third place was Lightyear. Just shit. And <laughs> uh, you know, uh, broke my rule day. I, I I watched the trailer, the teaser trailer, and the actual trailer because obviously, who doesn't love Toy Story? And knowing that this wasn't Toy Story, obviously, um, different voices and whatever, and it was. The astronaut that inspired the toy, blah blah blah. It was just a bit boring. <laughs> it was when you go into an an, a, a CG animated film or animated film in general, and you don't expect to be bored, dear. Mm. And mm. it was in the middle of the day, and taking that risk of oh no, there's going to be kids around to annoy me. The kids were completely silent, and I kind of wish they hadn't been. I wish I'd had some kind of outlet for my rage because I was just sitting there. And thinking, please hurry up and end, because it was just so dull. And I spoke to other, a few other people, and they kind of got it as well. And it wasn't comparing it to Toy Story, because it's nothing to do with it, really, at all. It's just, it shares a name. That is it. Mm. That is the only thing. And obviously, there's a lot of, like I said at the time, if you want to go down that kind of route, there's tick boxy stuff in there, which there's no reason for it. It doesn't make any sense at all. Um but again, it's a silly, it's a silly animated film that just didn't appeal to me whatsoever. As soon as I'd watched it, I thought I'm never watching that again at all, and I don't, I can't envision a time where I ever will because it was mm. just, it was just boring. And that, like we've said before, that is sometimes worse than being shit. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. Mm. I um, I think I quit after about 10, 15 minutes. I tried it on Disney Plus. And it just it just felt really slow and ponderous and not what I want from a Buzz Lightyear film. I mean, I wasn't expecting it to be Toy Story because we know it's not. It's, it's as you said, it's the character that the toy is set on. So I, I went in with expectations to be something else. And it really was something else, but not in a good way. Um, so, yeah, like 15 minutes and 
that's not really enough to you know make me want to go back and watch it i just found it really t- quite tedious to be perfectly honest so i just didn't bother with that one in the end um moving on my next film is also a disney film and it's disenchanted now i love amy adams i love maya rudolph the original is a disney classic come to life quite literally it's the story of a princess who escapes her animated world and comes to Manhattan. The jokes come from the disparity between living in a cartoon kingdom and living in this real world concrete jungle. It was really fun. It was really uplifting. It was something different from Disney, which they've got a formula that works well for them. So they don't always veer from the path. Um, Disenchanted is not that movie, though. Like Adams's family move from the uh, from Manhattan to the suburbs, effectively this small place in the countryside. It appears that in the decade or so since we left the characters, she hasn't grown whatsoever. She still gets confused between the real world and the cartoon world, and like, well, you've been in this world too long to still be this naive and this stupid, and then. In the plot, she makes a wish upon a star or or some sort of nonsense and starts to turn the real world into the cartoon world. It sort of becomes the film that the original film was taking the piece out of, like lampooning the Disney princesses, and then it sort of becomes that movie. The, The only real positive I can say for it is there's one song called Badder, which was Amy Adams and Maya Rudolph duetting together. And that's one of the best Disney songs in the last decade. That was fantastic. But the rest of the film was a real wet fart of a movie. Such a letdown when the first one is such a classic. Mm, I've nothing, I haven't seen this, but it's nothing that, um, well, really tickles my pickle to begin with, to be mm. honest. But I think like... When it comes to that genre, it's really difficult to do anything that isn't or doesn't feel like just spinning that money wheel and seeing if what pops yeah. out the other end is serviceable or not. That's a, that's a difficulty. Mm, I think it's telling that it went straight to Disney Plus rather than going to the, the cinema screens, to be honest. In retrospect, I think you can see why it, uh, it, it didn't do that. Mm. Zero interest in this. I, I haven't seen the re- original, and even <laughs> I know a lot of people like it, but I just couldn't care less. <laughs> it, it just, it just never, it never give me any kind of vibes of I'll, I'll enjoy this film <laughs> at all. Um, so I think this is yet another live action Disney film that just hasn't hit at all. <laughs> How many is there now? About 10, maybe? <laughs> Feels like it, yeah. It seems to be every year or so there's another one that comes out and doesn't quite make the uh, impact that they're hoping. Maleficent, probably the best one, maybe? I haven't seen that one, to be fair. Um, but it, it, It's got good reviews. But then Enchanted had re- really good reviews, so who knows? Mm. Anyway, moving on. Matt? So this is a film that piqued my interest in a time where I thought I was just trying to see as much as I could, really. Um, try and try new things, films that I wouldn't normally work. And I'm and I'm not shitting on it because it's an all-female lead cast or anything like that. But the 355 
um, oh dear, was pretty <laughs> pretty awful. Um, it's awful, not in that like it's it's how do I put this? It just offers absolutely nothing new in the world traveling spy genre at all. Like you would expect that it like it wouldn't be just super lazy tropes about characters with only like one dimensional reasons for for being and a super weapon is stolen that is or, or you know science has been stolen to weaponize to make a world war okay. Uh, it's just like the the fight scenes are uh, just feel flat. The motives for the characters just feel like it, it. It just offers nothing that you haven't seen a million times before. And the fact that there's a slight bit of curiosity about it because it's an all female cast. So what will they do differently? Like, only gets you about fifteen minutes through before it just becomes just another tired spy. It hasn't even got like the charm of it trying to be like an Ocean's Eleven. Like there isn't the comedic side of it, even with like a like a pretty stellar cast, or there's at least you know some high profile names in it. So it was just it was just it was just pretty poor. And you know, for Amazon.com to give it four point one tells you everything because <laughs> nothing doesn't get at least four and a half. So yeah, it, I mean, I didn't enjoy it at all. I. Remember watching, seeing the trailer for this. Um, it, might, it, it was probably before Uncharted, um, and thinking, I can think of nothing worse than sitting through this, ever. It, it just it looked like a kind of a bad cross between that shit Ghostbusters film, Charlie's Angels, and like one of the Timothy Dalton Bond films. And, and all them things on their own are fine, but mixed together, I've not heard a single person who has seen this film who liked it. Mm. Not one. It wouldn't have been like as bad if they'd have leaned more into the Charlie's Angel side of it, but like that, then obviously that comes with its own issues, doesn't it? In terms of like rep, you know representation and titillation and everything else like it doesn't go f- mm. like it goes for the femme fatale but not in a um you know in a way in an exploitative way so that's fine i understand it but it's just it's just not it's just not good it's, it's simply just not good there's no like way of like describing it any more eloquently than that really it's just a, not a very well put together film it seems like <laughs> it it seems like a film out of time like if this had been made like 10, 15 years ago and they could have gone a certain other way and got away with some certain things, it would have been mm. a lot better. Because um, Charlie's Angels and Full Throttle are both shit films, but they are fun. They're enjoyable. <laughs> um, they the lean into the camp, which I think helps, yeah. doesn't it? But you could, you wouldn't, like Matt said, you wouldn't be able to, well, you would do it now, but then you get absolutely, be cancelled and all kinds of nonsense that happens to you. Um, it just seems like a bad idea. To try and do it now, mm. and obviously we've had <laughs> loads. Of, it's not about female bashing or empowerment or whatever. It's just make a proper, make a good film, and not trying to do something when you know you can't do things properly. Mm. I mean, in fairness, the 
I'm just looking at it now. So the director is Simon Kinberg, whose only other directing credit is X-Men Dark Phoenix. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> speaks quite a lot, to be honest. But looking on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got 24% from the critics, so it's obviously not liked. The audience score is 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm genuinely surprised it's so high. I, I haven't seen it. I wanted to because I, I like um, Jessica Chastain, but I never got round to it. And as Stu said, I've never heard anyone say a good word about this movie, so I'd never gave it a chance in the end. So I don't know where this 86% has come from. No, you just can't trust people. There's you can't, your, can you? Proof. Yeah, terrible. Right, Stu, you're up next, please. Okay, so my second... I mean, you look at this and you think... This takes every single one of my boxes. It's it's got swords in it. It's from the past. It's from the one of the uh, favorite directors who we talked about on here before with the with the lighthouse and the witch. But the Northman was absolutely ass. It was again <laughs> like us <laughs> like us every light year. How can you make this boring? I don't understand. I. I've seen so many Vikings and Viking films, and you think, okay, we've had Lord of the Rings 20 years ago. Obviously, that's fantasy. This mm. is North, Norse mythology, kind of. Um, and I think you described it as the Lion King at the time, um, which has got very similar vibes in it to that. But it, again, it all made sense later on when I looked into it and he said that it wasn't the film that he wanted to make and there'd been studio interference, but he'd accepted it. You think, well, there you go. Then <laughs> that's clearly what the problem mm-hmm. is here because it's just, it's not weird enough to be his kind of, his film, which means it's toned down. <laughs> it's not action heavy enough because that's not the kind of director he seems to be, even though he's had a budget this time around. Um, it just seems to, it. It's a bit of everything and nothing at the same time. It, it's yeah. it's trying to be one thing. It's trying to be Thor, but at the same time, it's trying to be this kind of statements about relationships and how you're brought up and the effects of the afterlife and Valhalla. And it's not one thing or the other, which is fine in itself, obviously, because we, we've talked about that kind of film before, but. It just doesn't work, and it clearly doesn't work because, and you you can see that it it it's stitched together when it was never meant to be this, and my God, you can tell. Mm-hmm. And again, making a Viking film that's two hours, two and a bit, what, but two hours twenty minutes or something like that. I know it was it was exactly short, and it felt as long as it is. You felt um, every minute of it, didn't you? Yeah, it was terrible, man. And I know it's got a, f- a few things in there where a, a few people love it, and I think Nate again, <laughs> um, Nate pretty in his top four. I just didn't get it. It just didn't hit me at all. And this is nails all day long that my kind of film, and it just didn't deliver at all. Yeah, I I didn't hate it. Don't get me wrong, but. I think I went in wanting something a, a bit more than what it was. It's the it's the story on which Hamlet is based, and obviously the Lion King is effectively a retelling of Hamlet. So there are parallels between all of them, but the Lion King is the best version of that story. The Northmen just felt really drab and dour, and I don't quite get this 
fascination lately with Vikings. They're not that interested. It's a bit like we had with Pirates a few years ago. <laughs> it's just now moved on to the to the Norse mythology, and it just doesn't really grab me in the same way. But the Norsemen, it just felt like everyone was slightly miscast as well. Like I thought Alexander Skarsgård as the main dude was great, but Nicole Kidman just felt so out of place in that world. Mm. With that and, accent. <laughs> God, yeah. Like Ethan Hawke, as I like, I like Ethan Hawke. I think he's a good actor, but he doesn't fit in that world. I don't know why you need to have Americans doing this, which is clearly a very, very European type thing. So, like, getting a Skarsgård in there, quids in. But the rest of them, they all felt very out of place, and it just, yeah. It wouldn't make, I don't think I had massively high hopes, so I wasn't hugely disappointed. I just left feeling that. That was two hours, 20 minutes wasted. Mm, it felt like a real shame, this one, because it had the... I don't know if it was just good editing and a good trailer that made it look like it was going to be just yeah. this brutal mm. gore fest. Uh, like 300, but set in a different time and, and location. But it just it just wasn't that, was it, at all. Um, it's just a massively missed opportunity and, and it was a shame because it had all of the ingredients to you know to be great but okay sarah sarah it was a lot of walking around and hiding in bushes that's all it was mm. oh and anya taylor joy who i generally like but yeah. yeah not much in it speaking of people i generally like i feel really bad for putting this film on my list but Don't Worry Darling was such oh. a missed opportunity. I liked... Florence Pugh acts the shit out of this film. She deserves so much better than is given in this movie. And it's not that it was a terrible film, but it's just that my ho- my hopes were quite high purely because it was based on her character. You've got Nick Kroll in there, who I'm a big fan of. It was directed by directed and written by Olivia Wilde, who did Booksmart, which I thought was such a wonderful movie. So I went in thinking, we're going to be watching something that's a bit of a stylish and sexy Stepford Wives kind of sci-fi movie. And fucking what's-his-face, Harry Styles should not be allowed to act anymore. <laughs> There's one scene where he... Um, he has to shout something at Florence Pugh's character as if to like really ram the point home of what's going on and the importance of things. He's really, he's really quote unquote acting his bollocks off. Like he's really trying his hardest and his accent seems to go all the way from like Mm. Boston through Texas to Dublin and ends up in Yorkshire all in one sentence. And it's the hammiest bollocks I've ever heard. I couldn't stop laughing at this one scene. Because he was so, as I did GCSE drama when you were acting at school, you would have to project yourself to the back of the room so that they could hear you because it's different when it's on stage to obviously on screen. And it felt like he was a GCSE student trying to act. And it was, it was so hammy. It was so corny. It was terrible. It should have been so much better than it was. And, I don't know if all of the story around the film, so like Shia LaBeouf getting sacked, but then he wasn't sacked, but he was really because she was bringing her secret boyfriend onto it. 
I don't know if all of that sort of muddied the water and didn't help things, but just top to bottom, this film was a fucking mess. And I was really disappointed because I expected better. I'm guessing my ace. <laughs> no, I I really wanted to for all those reasons. And me and Sam, we're going to go. We're going to the cinema. To, we're going to go to cinema to go see it um, because it even like piqued her interest. And she doesn't really like watch many films, so it's got to be something special. To again, and another great looking trailer, but by the sounds of it, the delivery um, just wasn't what it was sold as. Mm. Um, which sounds like a right shame, really, because. I um, am a bit of a secret Harry Styles fan. Uh, his newest album is a pop. I won't go as far as to say masterpiece, but it's a very good pop album um, because it's got a lot of like Peter Gabriel vibes in there. Okay. Um, and so I'm a bit of a Harry Styles fan, if I'm going to be honest with you. And um, for it to be shat on the way it has by like critics alike and, 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 and yourself. Um, and it's just doesn't make, uh, doesn't make a great impression. Well, I almost mentioned this last week because it was my number 10. I love this <laughs> film. <laughs> and I don't know if it was because it, all the stuff, like you said about the build up and all the kind of, Oh, they can't even sit next to each other in the, in the, pre- the premiere and whatever all that kind of nonsense and everything that was going on around it. And the, we kind of, we, <laughs> we was going to go and have a date night and watch this because of the car crash that it seemed to be. And for whatever reason, it never happened. And I, I ended up watching it in October, I think. Um, and I genuinely enjoyed it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know it's, it's kind of disguising his accent for what happens at the end, <laughs> but it's just a bad accent. There's no, there's no way of it's getting terrible. around it. Um, but yeah, she's she carries it massively as she does in those films anyway. Hmm. Um, but I've never seen Step for Wives ever, so I, that was a kind of reference point that I didn't have. Hmm. So going into it, knowing obviously knowing something weird was going on and it, it was something, I didn't exactly think it was going to be. It was what it was. Yeah, um, I didn't get. I didn't get it. I, so I was actually genuinely surprised, but again, we've we've talked before about how I'm quite stupid with these things, and I never I never get any clues to anything. Um, well, I thought, yeah, that, that that was a nice, fun experience, and I thought about it way more than I should have done for for a long time <laughs> afterwards. And like, like I said before about things that make you feel something, it just got in my head. For I know it's not great, but. Out of all the ones that we, when we were doing this, we was writing them down. I drew them down as I went because of what happened last year. We couldn't think of what it was, but this was first on the list. I knew it was going. It was never going to be top five, but if we, if we'd have done top ten, it would have been ten because I genuinely enjoyed it. And it is nonsense, and mm. there's a lot of hamminess in it. Um, I think overacting is probably the uh, the order of the day with a lot of people in this film. Um, and it, it's it's almost like it's deliberate. But when you're not in that setting and you're in another setting, it carries on. So it's not deliberate. It's just bad acting. Um, I don't know. I just, for some reason, I enjoyed it. And I didn't think I would. Hmm. There's a certain level of hate watch to it, I think. <laughs> like, I... I 
had Florence Pugh have not been in it, I think I would have probably enjoyed how bad it was, but it would still have been a bad film. But because she was in it, I just feel let down. Hmm. Anyway, uh, Matt, what's your next film, please? So, this is um, Fantastic Beasts 3, the crime of Grindle Bollocks, or whatever his name is. <laughs> um, obviously, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take all of these things and put it to one side. So, I'm going to take Johnny Depp's recasting, put it to one side. Okay, fine. I understand. I'm going to take the the J.K. Rowling trans hating stuff, and I'm going to put it to one side. I'm going to put that against my judgment of this film. Okay, Ezra Miller. I'm going to take, and I'm going to put that to one side. <laughs> right. Okay. So I've got three pretty huge things that should make this shit anyway to begin with, but I'm going to put that all to one side. It shits on everything that makes Harry Potter and the Potter world and the canon and everything else. It just takes all those really good things and just punts it out the window. (laughs) Harry Potter is about whimsical magic and half of the joy of like, even like the later ones get a bit more serious and a bit more dark. It's still rooted in... Like the school and the and the like, colourful magic and everything else about it. Fantastic Beast Three is just this like apocalyptical, serious, grey-toned mess of a film that like never really. It it, it it's it's so it's it's bleak but not bleak enough that it gives you any emotion. You don't feel anything about it. It's so bland, but it's so blandly bleak that it's not, it's unforgivably <laughs> boring at the same time. Like, and then this, this, it, it, it does this hard reset on things like that are just impossible in the canon of Harry Potter. Like, um, McGonagall isn't born yet, yet she exists as a grown woman and stuff like this. And it's just, it's just a car crash of a film, and the whole the whole crux of the film is <laughs> who's this little deer going to bow to? <laughs> and when, like I say, when I say when I say this, when I say I'm not joking, like <laughs> I'm not joking. It's just it it's it's really awful. And the writing was on the wall after the second one, which was really boring. I fell asleep. The first one I loved because it, it still had that essence of Potter about it. It was it was Potter. Yes, it was set in the past. Yes, it was set in another country. But it still had that element of playfulness, whimsicalness and colour. This is far from it. This is like the, the printers run out of ink and we're running on just black and white now. And uh, it was a real, real shit show. Hated it. I, I haven't watched any of them. I... I'd planned on watching them, and then the second one came out and didn't get great reviews, so I thought, well, I'll see what the third one's about before deciding whether or not. And then, by all accounts, the third one's been so bad that it's probably killed the franchise. So I don't think I'm ever going to watch any of them at this point because they seem just devoid of fun and joy. And as she said, mm-hmm. Potter, if nothing else, is genuinely quite joyous for the, for the most, but no... No, I'm, I'm definitely not watching any of them, to be honest. 
I mean, I, I planned on watching all, what is this now, 11 altogether. Um, in Before Hogwarts Legacy comes out, because that game looks incredible. Um, and I, I've seen the first four a long, long time ago. And well, my sister's obviously big into this as much as I am into Lord of the Rings. And even she hated this film. <laughs> She didn't, she didn't shit on it as much as you just have, <laughs> but she just said it didn't make sense. And I don't know what she means now. No. Stu, watch your film, please. Well, boys and girls, this is, this is a turn up for the books, a film that Andrew didn't even know existed. Um, and it is Mad God, which is, I saw the trailer for this years ago. Um, for some reason, and it's in our good friend Tara's best format, uh, which is stop motion animation. Um, but it, which is obviously inspired by Sledgehammer, best song of all time. But how do you make a film that's what hour and 23 minutes long, which is an assassin's descendant through the underworld of tortured souls and whatever? It's just so dull again. <laughs> And I think this is the first time in 20-odd years that I've turned a film off halfway through <laughs> because I was so bored. And you look at it, you look at the trailer again, you look at the trailer and you think, oh, this looks amazing. This has got to be one of the best things. But it was the same thing over and over and over and over again. And it's like, well, it's just not interesting. It's a good tech demo and it's very impressive. Um the animation's superb, but you've got Gamble Del Toro's Pinocchio now, in the same year, an actual good film, mm. um, which is doing things better. I know it's like a little indie horror studio, whatever, but just do something with it. <laughs> you don't have to, you don't just, it's gore for the sake of gore for best part ever, hour and a half. There's no real story in it. It's just oh this this new monster's even more repulsive than the last one. Oh okay, we'll get through this. We'll find something here. It would have worked better as a, as like an indie game, I think. If this had been a game like say Inside or Limbo or something like that, it mm. would have been nailed. It was would have been superb, spot on. But as a film, it was just fucking wank. And the fact is, when you go on, this is what this this sums up Rotten Tomatoes now forever. The fact that what is it, 93, critically? Yeah, no, 91. 91% out of 90 reviews. Critically acclaimed film. Shit. Utter shit. <laughs> I, I've not seen it. I hadn't even heard of it until you mentioned it earlier, Stu. And um, looking at the images on Google that are available, I was a bit like, what the fuck is this nonsense? But... It doesn't look very evocative, but I kind of want to see it because of how bad it sounds. <laughs> like, you've made me think, oh, this might be, at least if nothing else, fun, silly bollocks. But looking at the, the dude, Phil Tippett, which was a name I recognised, um, not as a director, though, so I've looked at his directorial stuff, Starship Troopers 2, Mutant Land, Prehistoric Beast, nothing really there. He's a visual effects guy. So he did all of the Twilight stuff. He was on Evolution, the original Starship, uh, yep, Starship Troopers. 
so uh, he was on Jurassic Park as well. He was the dinosaur supervisor on Jurassic Park. Yeah. Which... So he's got quite a pedigree there and just not as a director, it sounds like. All that makes a lot of sense because visually it it's fine, but there's no story there. It's an hour and a half tech demo. That's the that's the problem. It's like a good idea if it if it, even if it was like a a twenty minute short film, like or like Wallace and Gromit. You couldn't have a, well, you can because we've got because the Weir Rabbit, which is good. But that's the kind of it, you think okay, like the, like the Gruffalo and the Gruffalo's yeah. Child, half hour in and in and out, done, great. This was too. It was too long. It was too shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm still when I see it. I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Shudder as well. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, right, so some of our listeners sent in some films that they didn't particularly enjoy. So I can hear fights podcast. Our mate Nate, um, he's got Jurassic World Dominion. He's up there. Uncharted, um, Pinocchio, the Disney version of it. He did not enjoy. Oh, dear. Um, I didn't get round to bothering to watch that one, but yeah. Um, Ash Dolan. Um, Pinocchio is also on there. Lightyear, Jurassic World, Dominion gets another vote. You also um, Halloween Ends, which is one that he gave quite an impassioned rant about uh, <laughs> last time he was on our podcast. Dave Evans. Um, so Pinocchio, like Pinocchio, the Disney version, it's starting to sound like it might be the worst film of the year because... Everyone seems to absolutely detest it. Uh, Lightyear is also on his list, and Avatar 2 is in his bottom five, just to piss you off, Stu. <laughs> I always nearly like bit, Dave. It's nearly yeah. two billion now. Incredible. Incredible. Right, so um, the reason it's a top three rather than a top five is because there was a bit of a through line in most of our lists. So I think first, let's talk about Netflix, because I don't think Netflix have had a particularly good year. Um, so I'll give you the cast of one of these films that was released on Netflix, and it was on both mine and Stu's list, this film was. Um, it was starring David Duchovny, Leslie Mann, Fred Armisen, Keegan-Michael Key, Karen Gillan, Peter Serafinowicz, Guz Khan, Maria Bakalova, and our boy Pedro. That is a fucking great cast that you would watch in pretty much anything. But the bubble was probably the epitome of everything that is wrong with Netflix films for me. Uh, the other one that was my honourable mention, and it was in your top five, Matt, is a TV show called Blockbuster, which was mm. Melissa Fumero, who most of us will know from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and Randall Park, who is great in pretty much everything apart from Blockbuster. Um Matt, tell me about Blockbuster, why you didn't like it before we talk about Netflix in general. And I think this feeds into the Netflix general conversation is that it, it, Blockbuster just isn't must-see TV, but it's not disposable fluff either. There's just something that's just not very, um, how do I put it? it's not very satisfying about it. Like I'm watching it expecting with the cast members that it's got to like to laugh and to find it really funny. If I'm not finding it funny, then 
some of the things about Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which actually tugs at your heartstrings, I didn't really get from it either. Mm. I didn't get the nostalgia hit of it being Blockbuster either, because I remember Blockbuster, and I remember, you know, that, that uh, you know, some of the happiest memories of my life are going, not necessarily to Blockbuster, but going and getting a, a VHS and watching it and being dead excited about it. I don't even get that joyfulness out of this show either. Mm. Um, it was just, just unnecessary filler fluff, which leads on to what I feel Netflix has become in that you get your big, big hitters, your Stranger Things, you know, things that, you know, shows of that nature Wednesday. But if you're not, the oversaturation of content on there is just, it's far too much. And it's not quality, it's quantity in Netflix at the minute. Like, and yeah. the, I find myself like, I, it's bizarre to say I've got nothing to watch on Netflix, but nothing appeals to me because there's so much and I know the quality isn't going to be great. So I find myself not watching anything on there, if, as weird as that sounds. You just return to It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia for the 20th time. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the big problems is it's not curated. Curated? Um, curated, yeah. That's the right yeah. word. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not that enough. There's too much. It's because so much comes out every week that everything's just pushed to the new releases. And then you have the you have obviously your top ten of the UK or whatever and and your list, but there's not like a critically acclaimed or critics' choice of the month or section on there. And obviously there isn't because they're promoting their own service. And if they did, half that shit wouldn't be on there. <laughs> but like I just I just got it up here, and not because it's exciting or anything. Um, you look at the top top TV shows of the year. This is from them on on. On hours watched, so like Stranger Things, one point eight seven billion hours. Um, that was number one. Wednesday, number two, Dharma. I thought Dharma was good. Mm-hmm. Um, Bridgerton, who knows? All of us are dead. Season one, <laughs> extraordinary attorney Wu inventing Anna, the the Watcher, which mm. Sandman season one, which we kind of everyone seemed to like. Virgin River season four. Half of that stuff, I've never even, no idea. No idea what any of it is. They do a very poor job of advertising stuff that isn't the biggest of big hitters, don't they? Especially Uh, within their TV work of it. It's very, um, it's well hidden. Like that Inventing Anna, which I was sort of vaguely interested in at the time, but I don't think I've ever seen an advert or heard anyone actually talk about it. I've no idea if it's good, bad or what. Because yeah. it, there's been no one discussing it and no adverts for it, they do a really piss poor job of highlighting their their good in between a lot of bad. And the thing and, is about it is like for for a, a platform that is getting only negative press recently and price increases and everything else, you'd think they'd be going like hand over fist to try and keep people on side. Except it feels like the opposite, if anything. Like, I remember when um, Netflix was the viable and futuristic alternative to love film. (laughs) And, like, how far away from that does it feel now? Like, you know, if I, it seems like every week there's another, 
like serial killer documentary that I haven't got the time to watch. And like, I'm, I'm beyond FOMO now with it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm beyond caring because I'm never going to keep up with the swathes of content that comes out that like, you know, if the ancient apocalypse come and gone in the spec, like it's hype came and gone within literally days. Like not a soul's mm. talking about it anymore. Cause it's just the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll watch that in three days, <laughs> but again, it, it is because of the way they still do it. That's, it's the price you pay. That it, if they released something every day, like if that came out weekly over eight weeks, and you had that say that came out on a Monday, and then you had I don't know Wednesday on Wednesday, and then mm-hmm. so you had something per Proper day network TV style, yeah, over the over the space of eight weeks, then you got you got something to look forward to every day rather than okay, we'll watch this done and dusted. Onto the next thing. I think it, it revol- however revolutionary it was to start with, it's now kind of almost a parody of itself because it's it doesn't work for everything. <laughs> like Stranger mm. Things, I mean, I just I just muted everything. I didn't even watch it for two like two months later, did I? Mm-hmm. And so, I, well, what are you going to do? You're going to watch it. You're going to watch two episodes, three episodes a night, and you'd be done with it in the space of what. Two weeks, and then you wait in what eighteen months for the next series. It's just like, like things like this where, yeah, I could have done it and I could have spread it out, but it was there, and you're not gonna. Say, it's like been at a buffet. You know, you're not gonna say no for more sausage rolls. That's what they're there for. <laughs> and then you you look at the, like the, the top ten. This is from Forbes, but it was released by Netflix. The, the top ten in reverse order: Troll, which. That looks that looks interesting. I'll probably will watch that eventually. But again, it was on there for a week and then it was gone and then it was buried. Put it on the watch list. And the only thing that ever gets done on the watch list is Christmas films because obviously in <laughs> Nola Holmes two, nope. Senior year, the man from Toronto, the Tinder Swindler, which that was quite funny. Um, sea Beast, Hustle, Purple Hearts, The Adam Project. And then number one film of the year was The Grey Man. Ridiculous. I mean, that, that brings us on to the next part of it, which was specifically um, the bubble as a movie. The problem I'm having with Netflix, the movies more so than the TV series, they're all very much, they, they give too much freedom to their creatives. And like I like the idea of a creative being able to put out what they feel is the best work but sometimes it just takes having a good director and a good editor to get the best out of it because sometimes less is more and the bubble just went on and fucking on for ages i don't even know how long the film was but it felt like it was three hours long it felt ridiculous the gray man was another one it just went on and it was the most generic of its genre there was nothing new or interesting about it all they done is they threw a lot of money at big name directors and said you can do whatever you want. But if anyone can tell me what happens in the Grey Man two weeks after watching it, I will give you a fucking gold medal <laughs> because I think you have either read the synopsis or you are lying. And then you also had stuff like that senior year, which you mentioned, Stu. That's probably the worst film I saw last year in retrospect. It was so unfunny, and it had um, 
Australian girl who was in Pitch Perfect who played Fat Amy in Pitch Perfect. I Rebel. can't remember her name. Rebel Wilson, yeah. I, I really like her in most things. And this yeah. was just bollocks. It was terrible nonsense. Spiderhead, Slumberland, The Adam Project was another one. Big names all involved, allowed to do whatever the fuck they wanted. And it just produced such a mediocre film. And as Stu said earlier, sometimes mediocre is worse than bad. And that's what a lot of Netflix has become, is just mediocre film after mediocre film. It's so ungratifying, at the, having watched it, having spent like two and a half hours watching a film and think, I've had absolutely no nourishment from that film on mm. any level. Yeah. I mean, the bubble looks so promising as well. It was such a disappointment. Just because it, even just the idea of it, basing, mm-hmm. again, we, we mentioned it last week, I think, um, basing something around the pandemic. Yeah, okay, cool idea. But whereas Glass Onion did it as a kind of throwaway thing, this was based about lockdown and, oh, we can't see each other. And, and it just didn't work, did it? It was, uh, look at no, it, it was two hours, five minutes long. That was all it was. And it it just wasn't funny. You know, everyone was wasted. Like the talent, the, well, you said the amount of people in it. Again, you look at the poster and you think, well, this is going to be, this is going to be excellent. It has yeah. to be. And like some of them were on screen for about 20 minutes and you can't again. I mean, I, I saw, I watched the gray man three times with three different people. So I, <laughs> I could, I could, cause it's, it's exactly what you say. It's, it's almost like when, um, you went through that period of time in like the, the PS3, 360 era where you had a certain like kill switch, which like generic third person shooters every, yeah. every month there was another one. It was like an eighties film with, a modern budget. That's that's what it was like. Um, which is no bad thing if you like eighties action films, but it just they have the swagger, or it was just very. The action itself was fine. Everything else wasn't, mm. which is not fun um, in the end. And again, trying to think of what it was about, other than and a kind of semi assassin wronged. I can't. I can't tell you. And I've watched it three times. Terrible, but, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but nothing was worse than the bubble. Mm. That, it was just bad, very, very bad. Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to say um, just before we move on from Netflix, specifically in regards to Blockbuster, if you've got a VPN, check out the last Blockbuster documentary on Netflix. Yes. Um, on the, I think it's only on the US one. I don't think we've got it on the the British one. That is exactly what the series should have been it was funny and uplifting and about the the last blockbuster in america so i would say check out that film rather than waste a single second watching the tv series because it just wasn't fun Uh, the other studio which had a bit of a through line on our list was marvel um both the cinematic universe and the whatever the one Morbius is attached to. <laughs> I don't even know anymore. Um, Morbius was the embodiment of, you know, the meme of that person holding up the sign saying, um, our expectations for you were low, but Jesus Christ. Like, yeah, that's what this film was. We expected bad and and it was worse. <laughs> what more can you say? <laughs> Stu, Morbius was on your list, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean... 
Oh, <laughs> Uh, you know when when, it, when people started saying like hashtag it's Morbin time, <laughs> yeah, and I started second guessing myself to if that was even in the film or not. After a while, <laughs> because I thought, well, everyone's saying it. Like, did I miss something? And I think we said it at the time, or like well, the week after we watched it, that it felt it felt like twenty five years old. <laughs> yeah, it felt it, did, it? it felt like something. If this had come out like the week after Underworld. Or, or like Blade Trinity or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Then it, you would know you wouldn't even doubt it yourself because it felt like that. It looked like that at points with some of the CG. Um, and Matt Smith was the best part about the film completely. Yeah. He, and and that was him taking the piss and hamming it up. Um, it was just it was a fast one. It, it was from start to finish, and you you kind of think, what are you trying to do? Like what? What was it spoke? What was it aiming for? Because it, it didn't tick any boxes other than to laugh at it, and the fact that they really released it because they thought it was popular. <laughs> it was the best thing of the year. That was hilarious that they were trolled into re-releasing it, and then no fucker went to see it. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. I'm really glad that Matt Smith got another crack at 2022 by doing um, House of the Dragon. So like he still ended the year on a high. Because if the only thing you knew of 2022 for Matt Smith was Morbius, you'd think he was terrible. But like he, he was the best thing in it, but it was such a bad film. I kind of want to revisit it and see if I have the <laughs> same. Like I can, I can watch Spider Man three now and laugh at it. It's awful, but there's a level of so bad it's good to it. I think I wonder if Morbius is going to have that in like maybe six months' time. Mm. I'll be able to watch and laugh at the absolute ridiculousness of it. I mean, just the well, post-credit that... scenes alone are fucking unbelievable. When you bring in, you bring in eighty-nine Batman out of nowhere for one credit uh, post-credit scene, and then you do another post-credit scene with him in again, with all of his gear. I'm like, well, where have you got that from, mate? None of it made a lick of sense. It was the <laughs> stupidest film I have seen. <laughs> And that might make me enjoy it in the summertime when I give it a rewatch. I think. Well, that's that. That is the thing because that was why I did want to go and watch it again because at the time it pissed me off how bad it was. Mm. Um, but I mean, but we went in with with an open mind, thinking, "Oh well, it's okay." The the Sony. I mean, Venom was fine. Venom Two was bad. Let's go with an open mind. It, it, it can't be that bad, can it? And then you <laughs> watch it and go, that was like two hours gone. Where I, I, again, no expectations because I knew it was going to be it was borderline. But it, it, it was so bad. I, I kind of regret putting it on here now because I kind of want to watch it and laugh at it now because it, it's, it's, it's almost taken on, it's almost like the room. It's got cult status <laughs> for being so bad. Yeah. But at the same time, if I watch it again and it's not as bad as I think, I'm going to be disappointed all over again for a different reason. So maybe so I should just leave it in the past as a disappointment and leave it there. Yeah. See, I still maintain, though, that Venom is the best Spider-Man-related film that has been since the Tobey Maguire films. Venom 2 is brilliant. It's a love story nope. between a man and his alien. It's excellent. It's the best one. Uh, Matt, you said you had a Marvel-related rant you wanted to go on at some point. Um, <laughs> I just think I, I, it's stuff that I've just like kind of said all said all before, really. In that, it's this was the year that 
that I lost Marvel. And it was the year that everything since um everything since Endgame, the irony of it being the end game of anything decent for Marvel, yeah. um, just just shine through. And like I can't think of something perhaps more so than the, the fall of Vince McMahon that has shit the bed quite <laughs> as much as Marvel in, in twenty twenty two. Everything has been so disposable and just downright awful since there's feels like there's no plan there's like there's obviously a plan there's phases but there's no build nothing feels exciting anymore it just feels like a constant treadmill of or a conveyor belt of films but then Christ, if you try and tell anybody that on the internet mm. the internet will come after you in its droves and like you know, I know I know it's going to sound like the fun police stuff, but when you see the videos of people that are like celebrating the announcements of these phases, I just felt I, I wish that technology would advance quicker that we can wipe these people out in a fast, smooth, swift action. Because it's like I just don't I don't get it. Like I don't know what people there's 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 being in a cult, but like at least cults have good leaders, and at least like. <laughs> At least there's something worth being a part of, at least in their view. I don't know. I just don't get it. Like, I, I it's gone beyond like accepting that Marvel is like this huge staple of society. Like, it's not anymore. Like, I don't think anybody cares anymore. The fact that it's bec- it's got this model now of just being on Disney Plus mere months after like release just shows that like it's fell into a category of not being worth anyone's time anymore. Like it's, will we ever get anything like Avengers Assemble again? Like, can you honestly say that we will? Even the biggest fans of it, there can't be much to, to look forward to until we get like, you know, because the character, like the, the proper build of characters, and it goes back to what I said about um, the Netflix stuff about oversaturation of content. Like I mentioned before, like I shouldn't have to have to die, you know, um, I shouldn't have to watch 40 hours of content to try and make sense of a poorly scripted or poorly made film in order for it to make a bit more sense. It's just, it's not reasonable and it's just, it's a soft expectation. Rant over. It's, it really is. Um, so I've just had a quick look at what was actually released in 2022 for Marvel. So we had Doctor Strange, Thor 4, Black Panther 2, Moon Knight, Ms. Marvel, She-Hulk, Werewolf by Night, and The Guardian's Christmas film, which I don't think was anywhere near as many as were released in 2021, if I remember correctly. Mm. 2021 felt like it was such an oversaturation of the, the thing that they sort of scaled it back a little bit last year. I mean, Doctor Strange aside, what what's, what's worth anyone's time there? Well, talking about worth, Doctor Strange, Thor, and the, well, the films bought in two point seven billion dollars. So when you say that no one cares anymore, there's your answer. <laughs> People do, um, but out of all that stuff, um, Moon Knight was very. You don't have to ever see Moon Knight again, which was again a wasted opportunity after the first episode. I thought that the first one was really good. It only kind of went downhill. But I'm still saying to this day that Ms. Marvel is class. It's the best thing they did all year. 
and it's buried on Disney Plus, but it, it it was there. People talked about it, but again, we know why a lot of people didn't talk about it, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a shame because she was superb. A lot of people in that, and you do need to watch that for the continuity of what's going to happen soon. Um, and they'll never give it credit because of what it is, and it's ridiculous. But that was the best thing that out of the MCU related stuff that came out last year, and hardly anyone saw it. Mm. Um, like I, I agree, I think Doctor Strange was quite a good film. I think that that was my highlight of the year for for Marvel. To be honest, I had quite a lot of fun with that movie. Um, that might have been going in with little to no expectations, maybe I don't know. And the Guardians Christmas um, forty five minute mini film that was fun, but that's mostly because I like Chris Pratt and I like Dave Bautista and Karen Gillan. But really, there was no great overarching theme to that that I think will pay off in the the next 50 hours worth of hashtag content that I'll be pumping out. But again, it was just a year of content for the sake of content, it felt like. There was very little that was either A, artistically worthy, or even B, narratively worthy. It felt like it was just another year of treading water, which is pretty much how it's felt since Endgame. Everything has felt like it's treading water. Maybe the point is that it's going to be with Jonathan Majors, Kang or Krang or whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> Krang. <laughs> Maybe that's going to be the big that's going to kick it in the arse and we'll move forward, but it doesn't feel like it. And Thor 4 was, Thor 4 was the worst thing in the Marvel Universe. Without <laughs> a shadow of a doubt. It is fucking dreadful. I'm embarrassed to say that I like Taika Waititi's film because of how bad that movie was. It's awful. Black Panther was... I'd put two on my list originally. It was going to be Thor and Black Panther because those two, I just thought, Black Panther was just dull. And for a film that was about the loss of someone who absolutely everybody loves as a human being and also within his own world as the Black Panther, it should have been a lot more emotional and it was really drab. The villains were boring. The villains were fucking the creatures from Avatar. I don't want to see Avatar. I don't want to see Avatar in the MCU. And that was what they gave me. It was just crap. It was such a letdown of a film. Marvel need to pare it back a little bit before going forward. But the latest reports have been that they're just going to ramp it up again. And they're going to be pumping it even more. said it before, less is more. But these things, they believe that more is more. It's disappointing. And, pe- and people still go in the droves, in the millions, and, and, and it makes ridiculous events of money all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, th- that was another one, that Black Panther, where initially where I, when I, I walked out, and I thought, oh, that was okay. Um, but thinking about it afterwards, so a couple of months out of the, uh, the action now, there ain't much you can think of what actually happened other than the... CG things that could have been Chitari from Avengers Assemble. <laughs> um, and it went way too far again in <laughs> CG land, which we, we criticised all year long for, uh, and we know why, because they were overworked and they couldn't be arsed in and the end. And yeah. yeah. And if they're doing it internally now for the next one, if that if that's in place now, then fine, whatever. But a lot of that needed work, and it just took away from 
you look at the early films, and like I did a couple of years ago, a lot of that CG's fine. It's pretty good. Um, some of it's outstanding at times. And then you look at the whole of Phase 4, obviously remote working and whatever. But still, when you've got other films that come out in them circumstances, again, Avatar The Way of the Water, which is the most visually incredible thing of all time, regardless of what you think of the film, there's no excuse for it. Mm-hmm. There's no excuse whatsoever. When, the, yeah. when that thing can come out after being made in a kind of Lord of the Rings style with three other films <laughs> in pandemic times, literally underwater <laughs> with CG on top and it comes out looking like that. There's no excuse for anyone anymore. No. No, there's not. Right, okay, that's 2022 dealt with now. We can put it all behind us, all the good, the bad. Next week, we'll be looking at the preview of what is to come between January. Well, I say January, we're most of the way through the month. So we'll be talking about what we've seen in January and then looking forward to what's going to happen in the first half of 2023. Uh, Please make sure that you've got us on whatever podcast it is that you're listening so that you don't miss an episode. And if you could leave us a review, we would truly appreciate that. Please make sure you've got us on the socials as well, at Cage Fighting Pod, uh, on all of the socials. Um, and if you've got any questions or anything, you can either tweet at us or you can email us on cagefightingpod at gmail.com. Uh, so for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, everybody. Make 2023 your biatch. And uh, <laughs> hopefully uh, you can kick it off uh, with a bit of a flyer this month. Stu? Do you want to say goodbye? Everyone just watch The Last of Us. Just forget the last, the whole of 2022 and just watch The Last of Us on, on Sky Atlantic, Sky Go, whoever, whichever way or legal means you want to do it, just watch it. It's class. Superb. <laughs> goodbye. It's goodbye from me and remember, be excellent to each other. Oh.